We've got a fun QB list fantasy football podcast today. I am Eric Smith, editor-in-chief at QB list, and I am joined by Ryan Heath. Ryan has come up with five players that he just really wants to talk about today. He's been researching these players. He's wanting to leave his draft with these players. So we're going to go in deep on five players just from Ryan's end. Uh, Later, we'll hit mine on a different podcast, and then we'll go through some players that we're going to avoid. But um, coming up soon, before you know it, starting on August 1st, um, all of my rankings will be out on QBList.com, and we will start the podcasts uh, for all the rankings for all the positions right after that, the beginning of August. So rankings are coming soon. Uh, if you want a little sneak peek on those, though, uh, I've been doing some live streams on Twitter with Second City Gridiron. Uh, they're also on YouTube. Check them out. We've gone through my quarterback and tight end rankings and tiers. Uh, they're on video. We've built the board. It's been a lot of fun with Jeff Burkus. Uh, don't worry. Rankings are coming to QB List. but if you want a little sneak preview, uh, please check out Second City Gridiron. It's been a ton of fun doing those videos. So I just got done with the tight end episode. Ryan, uh, speaking of tight ends, I've somehow identified Tyler Higby as my favorite undervalued tight end. Like, why did I do this to myself again? How am I here again for the second straight year? Why am I talking myself into Tyler Higby in like the 14th or 15th round? Uh, You're doing it because the only thing you want to do in fantasy football is get dunked on by Twitter <laughs> because Tyler Higby is the number one player where if you want to look smart on Twitter and have everybody support you and clap and applaud, you just say Tyler Higby's bad and he's going too high. And th- that's basically all you need to know. Like I, I just gave you the key to succeeding on social media in fantasy football. I'm a a contrarian as always. I'm happy to hear that. So I I do think it's crazy. He's going tight end 19 and he was a tight end 12 overall last year and he was pretty bad. So I I feel like he's a value. But anyway, if you want more of my tight end ramblings, uh, check out Second City Gridiron for those rankings. But uh, Ryan, what are these five players you want to talk about? Um, Let's let's lay the groundwork here. Why'd you pick these five in general and uh, why are you excited to draft them? Sure. So all five of these players are guys who my opinion has changed on as a result of analysis that I have done in the last few months. If I were to just walk into fantasy football at the beginning of August, I would have less of all of these players. I still would probably have some of some of them. Some It's not total 180s on all of them. But these are guys that because of all the research I've done, I am higher conviction on and i want to leave drafts with okay so maybe a five that you've seen their stock rise just in your own mind throughout this offseason i don't even know how much news there is on these players but i definitely understand that you start digging into these positions and you find stuff that uh catches your eye and, and you remember it when the drafts come up so i thought this would be really helpful for the listeners uh just some of these players that ryan is on now and he's drafting so we're just going to get right into that um what is the first player that you want to talk about here ryan Sure. The first player is actually someone I threw shade at a couple weeks ago on this very podcast. It's DJ Moore. Uh, I felt like there would be an overreaction in his ADP as far as Baker Mayfield now being his quarterback. Uh, There has been a reaction. It hasn't been as insane as I thought it would be, but it also made me dig a little bit more into some of his numbers and I came away with the conclusion that I want to draft him in the third round, which I was not doing before the DJ Moore Baker Mayfield news came out. So just kind of taking a quick glance down, his yards per out run has gone up every single year he's been in the league until last year. It dropped from 2.23 to 1.86. That's about in line with where he was as a rookie. 
His fantasy points per game also dropped a bit last year. He was down at 14.09. His best season was 15.5 PPR points per game in his sophomore year. But when you dig into some of the rest of the numbers, he is coming off a 28% target share. That's a number that I had to look at twice. I was very surprised that he commanded targets that heavily. I'm sure Christian McCaffrey not being healthy had something to do with it. But even if McCaffrey is back healthy now, it's just another reminder that DJ Moore is an awesome wide receiver and he's going to command targets and there's nothing you can do about that really. When you look at his red zone usage, uh, that's kind of where he's been struggling for his entire career. Uh, he was just 29th in red zone targets last year. Most of that is to do with the Panthers offense being really bad and not being in the red zone very often. But if we see even moderate improvement, then that number should come up. And then we get to the number that really kind of blew my pants off. I checked it twice. I checked it right before this podcast because I thought it couldn't be real. DJ Moore had 999 unrealized air yards last year. That's almost a 1,000 yard season just off of air yards that he wasn't able to catch because of how inaccurate all of the throws to him were. It, it's insane the amount of production he could have had with even competence at the quarterback position, which he hasn't had until now. I We can like joke about Baker all we want. Uh, he's somebody that fantasy football players seem to love to hate. But even if you're looking at his worst year of his career, which was last year because of the shoulder injury, he still averaged a full yard per attempt more than Sam Darnold did. He had a higher completion percentage. He, he was still better than Sam Darnold, even in his worst year. If you want to be as bad faith as possible and just assume that Baker is the player we saw last year and nothing more. And that that's really the case for DJ Moore is the worst case you get out of him, what you've been getting out of him the last few years, 14 points per game, not ideal in the third round, probably not going to sink your team. But if the offense improves even moderately, if he can score more than four touchdowns, then suddenly you're looking at a guy with that is a real threat to be a top 12 wide receiver. And I personally, I don't feel great about the other guys kind of going around him. Uh, like the Marquise Browns and the Michael Pittmans on their chances to do that. So I really like the stability with DJ Moore and kind of the sneaky upside of what what if the Panthers aren't absolutely terrible. Yeah, I, I love DJ Moore from a dynasty perspective. Uh, the draft capital in redraft this year feels a bit rich for me. So I, I kind of want to maybe push back here, but you are starting to talk me into DJ Moore. So over the past three years, he's topped out about 15 PPR points per game. Uh, there have been like 30 different wide receivers that have topped that over the past three seasons. So we haven't seen that ceiling from him. And I, I think that's what the whole question here with DJ Moore comes down to is how much is that nice floor that he has worth it? Uh, how much are we missing out on ceiling here? So I wanted to look at the wide receiver ones last year by points per game. I mean, this is a small sample size. I just I wanted to see how many wide receiver ones we had that had an average-ish quarterback. Um, there weren't a lot, uh, but there was Debo Samuel with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you can get there if you run for eight touchdowns. Uh, there was Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure Cousins counts. I'm not sure Jefferson even counts because he's kind of a freak here. Um, it just kind of breaks the charts on all these statistics. And then the other one was Deontay Johnson with Roethlisberger. I, I think that's the comparison here. Uh, Deontay Johnson saw 107 catches last year and eight touchdowns. Uh, you give DJ Moore another 160-some targets and 
maybe a quarterback that can get him the ball. And maybe we're looking at a Deontay Johnson type season here from DJ Moore. So I, I think really the question that I have is, is his floor worth it to maybe bypass the ceiling or is there a little hidden ceiling here? I know you mentioned the touchdowns, but do we really think he can be a wide receiver one? Yeah, I think the Deontay Johnson comparison is apt. Uh, that is the type of season that you're kind of hoping for. But I also think DJ Moore is just more physically gifted than Deontay Johnson is. He's one of the best after the catch in the league. Like he he just has that next level to his game that say I say what you want about Deontay Johnson. He he's an awesome receiver. He's great at commanding targets. He's not really giving you that extra level. He's not gonna break three arm tackles on his way down. Like he DJ Moore is just amazing to watch on the field and that i mean that that's not a, the normal type of take that you're going to hear out of me um but i just think that they are more similar picks than people realize and i think i'm okay with that if the panthers are a franchise or an offense that is headed in the correct direction and the steelers offense from last year probably headed in the opposite direction i i'm fine with taking dj Moore. i i think it makes a lot of sense yeah, and I mean, we've kind of soured on all these other options in the the Carolina passing games. I mean, it's really just him and McCaffrey. McCaffrey's been battling injuries. It's hard to imagine he doesn't get another 160 targets, DJ Moore anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the players around him, you already mentioned some of them, but uh, going ahead of him, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, uh, behind him, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, Jalen Waddell, Terry McLaurin. It's an interesting group of receivers there for sure. And I do think he's got a lot more safety than those players. And, and we probably are undervaluing that upside. So, yeah, I mean, I love DJ. He's only 25. Like, it, we could expect another jump here. He's shown the ability to catch deep balls. He's shown that he demands, like, you know, kind of manufactured targets at times. So he really is the com complete package here. So I'm on board with you. Uh, I just – I hope he, he he gets that wide receiver one season eventually that we've been hoping for. Yeah, and just to be clear too, like DJ Moore is not a player where if I'm building a best ball portfolio that I want to be like double the field on. Uh, he he's someone I want to be above the field on. Like if if the average player is twelve and a half percent or whatever, I I want I want to be like 16 percent on DJ Moore. Like yeah. it's it's just it's hard to argue that he's a bad addition to pretty much any team build. So. I, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. He's someone that I actively need to draft more because I haven't really gotten enough of him yet this offseason. Yeah, and I think he's a nice fit if you're someone who just drafts one home league team, you know, like he get him in the third round. Maybe you've already got a, a hero running back and a wide receiver one, and he fits in your wide receiver two role, and chances are he's going to contribute all year. So, yeah, I think he, he does fit a lot of different team builds here. I would agree with that. So. Uh, looks like we got another wide receiver to talk about here. Um, who you got up next, Ryan? Yeah, we've got another wide receiver with the last name Moore. It's yeah. I'm, I just can't quit these guys. It's Elijah Moore. Um, I this is a player that I was gonna be high on regardless of whatever analysis I did this off season, but everything I've done has only confirmed further that I think Elijah Moore is going to going to absolutely smash this year. Uh, so last episode, I talked a lot about sophomore wide receivers and how they are generally much better bets than other wide receivers to exceed their ADP. And Elijah Moore fits very squarely into that. 
what we saw his rookie year in terms of yards per team attempt got him right into that group of good sophomores where we often see those breakouts. And when you look at the team situation around him, uh, th- this is like always the knock on Elijah Moore. Oh, there's there's too many mouths to feed in New York and Zach Wilson. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. But look, Elijah Moore should be projected to lead the team in targets. Uh, he be- had more targets per game than Corey Davis did last year while he was a rookie. And that was even on less snaps and less routes per game. So he was getting less playing time, less opportunity to go command those targets. Yet he was commanding targets at a higher rate than a five-year veteran. So I think that's pretty good evidence that Elijah Moore is better than Corey Davis and will be getting more targets than him. Like This sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth, but these are things that people have said to me about Elijah Moore this offseason. But yeah, as I was saying, he had a 19% target share in his rookie year. Since 2017, I'm going to list off all the players that did that in a 10-game or higher sample. So those names are DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy, Cooper Cup, Brandon Ayuk, A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson, Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk. Yeah, Christian Kirk gets the full-throated. Christian Kirk. Yeah, we love Christian Kirk here. And Corey Davis. So we know he's better than Corey Davis. The rest of that group looks pretty good. I know we've run pretty hot on young wide receivers breaking out in the last few years, but I don't have any issue imagining Elijah Moore among those names. And he's apparently 190 pounds now. So what what else can you ask for? <laughs> he can do it all. Uh, yeah, I mean, just even just looking at his basic like fantasy points per game last year, I mean, it was 12.6. It's pretty respectable. Like it was better than Devontae Smith. It's better than Jacoby Myers. Uh, he's right there, you know, Darnell Mooney, Christian Kirk, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, it's, you know, obviously there's some uh, some splits you could get out of those that would give you a better points per game on Amon Ross St. Brown. But he had a pretty productive rookie year. He just didn't um, maybe amass that volume year long because of some missed games. But I guess the problem for him with me is just my brain just short circuits when I try to figure out, like, is Zach Wilson bad? You know what I mean? Like, is he bad or is he just um, developing slowly? Like, there's a big difference there. And it's really hard to even project anything here when you just don't know what the base level at quarterback is. Now, I think we can expect growth. Um, if he's too bad, maybe we get a backup in and he gets a break, like whatever happens, I probably shouldn't expect the worst out of Wilson, but I think that's where I just kind of haven't even analyzed the chats this year. It's just like, I don't know what to do with this quarterback. He might be bad. I'm, I'm afraid I'll, I'll draft Brees Hall. Cause I think he's a, a value, but that's about it. So I, I probably need to look deeper at this team because, um, there's a lot of talented players and, and Elijah Moore is definitely one of them. Yeah, and I'm not sure that it really matters whether Zach Wilson is good or bad for Elijah Moore. Obviously, you'd like him to be good. That's where the real ceiling comes in. Uh, but even if Zach Wilson is bad, Elijah Moore is the should be the first read on pretty much any passing play. And like the amount of players that produce with bad quarterbacks, we generally tend to understate. Uh, there's not a whole lot of evidence that quarterbacks being drafted higher correlate all that well with wide receiver breakouts. Um, So I'm kind of hand waving Zach Wilson away. It would be great if he's good, but 
I'm just happy to make the bet on the player that I'm actually drafting, Elijah Moore, especially when we're talking about the sixth round. Like with, with DJ Moore, it's one thing. He's a third rounder. Elijah Moore has a sixth round ADP. The other options around him are rookie Drake London, like Devontae Smith, who's another sophomore wide receiver I've talked about. Like there, this isn't like an insane opportunity cost to where you're upset if Elijah Moore doesn't hit a top 12 ceiling because Zach Wilson holds him back from hitting that next level. Yeah. And I think most people are scared off because of the draft pick of Garrett Wilson, which I just, you know, as we've seen over the last few years, he could be Justin Jefferson, um, you know, or he could be maybe Jalen Rager is a little harsh, but you know, maybe he's Michael Pittman from his rookie year where he didn't contribute a lot. Like, who knows? I, it was a high draft capital, but we are terrible at analyzing these rookie wide receivers. So I, I do think there's opportunity there. Everyone's kind of baking in that Garrett Wilson is an NFL starter, and we just don't know that yet. Yeah, and if Garrett Wilson's so good, why is he being drafted in the ninth or 10th round right now? Like, I, I, this is the other thing. Everyone says, oh, I, I prefer Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson's the better player. But then why is doesn't that show in his ADP? Like, I don't, I don't believe that the wisdom of the crowd on Garrett Wilson is a reason to at all fade Elijah Moore because Moore's going higher. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating in camp to listen. I just I feel like I haven't really heard anything about Garrett Wilson yet, so I'm curious if the hype starts with him, what that does to these ADPs. I mean, you might even be able to get Elijah more cheaper here in a few weeks. We'll see how how the camp hype goes. But um, I, I think we're like kind of like we've talked around. We're already baking in Zach Wilson being bad. I think here. So uh, <laughs> if he's good, I, there's a benefit. There's a, a a profit right there. Just just if Zach Wilson's better. So. Um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely upside in this offense, and I like taking one of the cheaper options as well. So, yeah, I think Moore is, is a nice value here. Yeah, that's all I really have to say about him. Like, I, he's going to be by far my most rostered player in the first, like, 10 rounds. So it he is really the player that my fantasy season is going to ride or die on. Uh, we'll We'll see how that goes eight months from now, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. And here's uh, some of the receivers being drafted ahead of him in underdog. Uh, stop me when you get to someone who you're going to draft before Elijah Moore. Uh, we got Russell Gage, Adam nah. Thielen, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. I'll take over Elijah Moore. Yeah. That's where I thought you were going to say. But even when you get there, I mean, Darnell Mooney, Juju, uh, Rashad Bateman, DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, there's still question marks there. So, uh, it's not inconceivable to see Elijah Moore shoot up a whole tier here just with his play during the season. So, yep, he's definitely one to keep an eye on in camp. Let's see what the uh, the beat reporters are telling us from, from New York or wherever their training camp is. So, all right, let's get into some running backs here. I love talking about running backs. So who's the first running back that's caught your eye this offseason? Sure. So I, when I went to start preparing for this episode, I just opened up my underdog exposures to see who I had drafted the most of. And I have like 30% James Cook or something <laughs> insane like that, which is too much. I need, I need to chill with him a little bit, but there's a good reason why I have 30% James Cook running back is a largely opportunity driven position I think we really like to get into the weeds on the prospect evaluations of all these running backs. But the fact is draft capital is going to be the best predictor, at least of the opportunity they're going to see earlier in their careers. And James Cook was drafted in the second round. There is 
not really an established starter on this team. Devin Singletary had six good weeks last year. He's never really taken over that backfield aside from then. And the Bills were apparently not that impressed that they went out and spent a premium pick on a running back. The Bills are a smart franchise. I don't think they would be drafting a second round running back if they weren't planning on playing him. So Mm -hmm. we're going in with the assumption that James Cook will see the field. As I said, he's not a perfect prospect. I prefer Rashad White over him in basically every way, especially if we're looking at what they did in college. But here's what we know about James Cook. We know he runs a 4-4-2. He's fast. He's probably a better receiver than Devin Singletary is. And he's going in the eighth round on one of the best offenses in the league. The la- the most closely comparable rookie that I can think of as far as skill set offense and ADP was Alvin Kamara in his rookie year. He, I think he was going even later. He was going in the double digit rounds his rookie year, but he's on an elite offense where there are targets up for grabs. We didn't think Alvin Kamara was an amazing running back prospect either, but as, as soon as he got to the NFL, suddenly he can command a ton of targets and score a bajillion fantasy points. So I just think that that's a bet you should make on James Cook, even if it's only like a 30% chance of him just totally going insane and taking over the backfield, then that's a chance you should probably be taking in the eighth round. Like the, the downside of that is so little, like you, you don't care if James Cook doesn't hit really. Yeah, and he's somebody that I need to draft more of because I'm totally on board with you here. Uh, underdog right now, he's RB38, ADP of 111, which is just kind of insane to me. He shouldn't be going that late. And I think we have seen the Bills try to give some of this passing game work to someone other than Devin Singletary. I mean, last year, Zach Moss, um, he missed, I think he was inactive week one. Uh, he started out week two through uh, his first seven games and averaged three and a half targets a game. Singletary was just over three. So like Moss was getting more receiving work early on and then he just, you know, wasn't good, got hurt. You know, they went to Singletary, but they've tried to give away this passing game work before. And even Singletary had some deceivingly high target games down the stretch. We kind of forget about, he just wasn't all that great with the opportunities, but I think there's a huge passing game uh, role here for a running back. I don't think there's anything that just says that the bills aren't going to have a good fantasy running back. They're a high scoring team. I know if you're counting on a Derrick Henry roll out of this offense, you're going to be disappointed, but uh, it's the modern NFL. We should be able to get a pass catching role that pays off in this offense. So yes, we need some touchdowns out of him. Yes. He's got to earn the snaps early on, but uh, like I said, we've seen them try to give passing game work to someone other than Singletary and Zach Moss isn't even what you would call a passing game back. So yeah, I I love the opportunity here for cook Uh, anyone cheap in this bill's offense. I think we should be going after for sure. And I'll just say to the people that will put up Josh Allen's target percentage to running backs as a reason why we shouldn't draft James Cook. As I showed in the article I did earlier this offseason, running backs earn targets. They don't inherit them from quarterbacks. If you show me the amount of passes that the Bills have thrown to running backs over the last couple of years, that is not a Josh Allen stat. That's also not driven by the scheme and the design of the Bills offense. That is, that's just saying that Devin Singletary doesn't command very many targets. And that should be a good thing for James Cook. Like that, it's just making the argument even more for James Cook. So that, yeah, I don't, I don't think there is much else to say. He's 
a player that you shouldn't overthink basically. And I, I think a lot of the fantasy industry is overthinking James Cook. Like I'm, I'm seeing people saying, do we even know that he's better than Zach Moss? Like, I, I think the bills think he's better than Zach Moss and that that's what should matter for where we're drafting him. Yeah. Ever since your article that said that running backs are in the targets, it's not a product of the quarterback. I, I kept, keep an eye on these tweets that I see out there. And I mean, light round QB just threw on out today. Who's as good as anyone. And it was like, here are the teams that, uh, you know, showing their passing tendencies over the past three years of what position they target the most. And you look at the teams with high targets to running backs. It's like, Oh, that team has Christian McCaffrey. That team has Alvin Kamara, you know, like you just go down the list. Oh, they have Naeem Hines. Like it's, it's not too hard to figure out when you look at some of the talented pass catchers in these offenses. That's why they get the targets because they're good at catching the ball. So I'm on board. Um, We don't know that James Cook is a good pass catcher yet, but we think he could be. And with his ADP in this offense, it's, it's totally worth uh, just a shot to find out. So I'm on board with you. I need to start drafting more Cook and I mean, he's a great fit for any kind of zero RB type build. So I, even not zero RB, but I just, that, that value there is, is really nice. So um, we've got another running back up next, kind of similar to James, James Cook. And I am just as perplexed why he's going this late as well. I I think that's, we're just going to talk about this next one is why is he being drafted so late? Yeah. And before I do get into this next guy, I I just want to say on that JJ Zacharyson tweet that JJ completely agrees with me. And I know this because I'm in his mentions on that tweet right now. (laughs) And we went back and forth a little bit and that that was sort of the consensus that we came to. But yeah. Anyways, moving on to the next player. It's Chase Edmonds. No surprise. He was top 10 at the running back position in both yards per route run and target share last year, 13% target share. As we just talked about, target shares are earned for running backs. I don't care that Tua Tungavaloa hasn't thrown to Miles Gaskin when he's been on the field. That That is not relevant to what we should expect out of Chase Edmonds. The Dolphins were top half in pace and pass rate per game last year. Uh, The pass rate can change if we're talking about Mike McDaniels coming in and wanting to be more run heavy, but the pace has just as much to do with quarterback as it does with head coach. Uh, I'm not worried about the Dolphins suddenly morphing into an extremely slow, extremely run heavy team where Chase Edmonds isn't getting any targets. Uh, Edmonds is going to get those opportunities that matter. I don't care if he gets like five carries a game, though those aren't the important touches. Uh, when we look at the rest of the backfield, we have Raheem Mostert and Sony Michelle. Chase Edmonds was signed long before Sony Michelle was, and he was guaranteed three times the amount of money as Raheem Mostert and Sony Michelle were combined. So I, the Dolphins are telling you which running back they think was the most important to go out and sign of the three that they acquired this offseason. And to, I mean, I guess to fantasy drafters credit, Edmonds is going ahead of both of those other players, but his ADP is a a joke. It's like what ninth, 10th round last I looked like that. That's a free pick for who is almost certainly going to be the most valuable player in what, what is likely a league average ish offense this year we're looking at the dolphins as. So I, I do not see why chase Edmonds isn't, going multiple rounds ahead of where he currently is. Uh, We've talked about this before too on the podcast, but we're supposed to get excited about the small running backs in the Kyle Shanahan system. He's supposed to turn them into superstars. 
And I'll, I'll just add that the last time that there was a running back in the Shanahan system that was a skilled receiver, it was Devontae Freeman in 2015 when he was one of the best players in fantasy. So that that's the type of, unironically, that's the type of ceiling I would say Chase Edmonds has. Yeah, and Edmonds is going RB33, ADP around 98 right now. And I mean, he was the RB28 in points per game last year with only two touchdowns. So like his kind of floor is above this already. I know you could make the argument Kyler Murray's a better quarterback than Tua. Uh, that's going to drive a better offense. But I mean, there's a lot of talent in this offense. They should have a good running game. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, they upgraded their offensive line. So I don't think it's just he's uh, falling off a cliff here as far as the offense he's going to. So I do really like Chase Edmonds. I mean, Raheem Mostert has played a total of nine games over the past two years. Uh, he's played more than 10 games just three times in his career, and he's 30 years old. So I don't think we should count on him to be much competition. Sony Michelle is going to eat up carries, uh, assuming he makes the team and everything. He's probably going to steal touchdowns, but you could say that about every backfield in the NFL almost. Um, and then that kind of just leaves like Miles Gaskin, who they just brought in, you know, a dozen people to replace. So it, it, yeah, it's, I would imagine this is a Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle one-two punch. I want to draft both of them. Uh, Edmonds, I certainly think has the higher upside and just, especially in PPR leagues. So I'm, I'm drafting him like crazy as well. So um, I, you know, I was going to ask you like if there are running backs ahead of him that you like him more than, but I don't even know if we care. Like he, he falls in almost every draft I'm in. There's no reason to even reach for Edmonds. It's like, he's a kind of a free square, I think in a lot of these drafts. Yeah. It's sort of weird too, because if you go on fantasy football, Twitter, Chase Edmonds is like everybody's favorite late round target, favorite sleeper. Everybody can't stop talking about how much they love Chase Edmonds yet. His ADP doesn't seem to move. So I, I don't know if it, if, this is like a Chase Edmonds psyop to keep his ADP down somehow. Like, I really don't know what's happening. It's It doesn't make any sense. Things aren't adding up here. Yep. And, I mean, you know, he's young enough. He's a former fourth-round pick. He's got a lot of the stuff, you know, decent enough draft capital anyway. Um, he's had some carries in his career. He's not a complete unknown. So, yeah, I just – I think he checks all the boxes here. I, I think maybe the biggest question would just be, do we see some first-year struggles from this Miami offense? Because if not, I really think that they have the weapons and the scheme that could be a really fun offense. So we'll we'll see if it takes half the year for this offense to get rolling or not. But uh, I'm really excited to see him kind of down the stretch of this year, uh, maybe next year too. I just I think the sky's the limit with this offense. Yeah, for sure. I think that people look at Miami and think, oh, that's a bad team. Like I, it, people sort of have mental blocks against drafting players on certain teams in fantasy football, yeah. uh, but they shouldn't. That. This offense looks completely different than it did two or even one year ago. Like the, yeah. I, I'm excited about Jalen Waddle. He almost made this list, probably should have. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in on the Dolphins this year. Yep, they added uh, Teron Armstead, and hopefully the line's better. Uh, Mike McDaniel, I know, is a little eccentric, and there's no telling if he's a good coach, but I would much rather bet on these young, um, you know, enthusiastic coaches as opposed to these retread, like, defensive coordinators. So give me all the Dolphins, and we'll, we'll see if it works out. So, all right, we saved uh, the most fun player for last. Uh, go ahead, Ryan, who's your, your fifth player that you um, – I, I guess you've just really over the offseason fallen in love with. I really have. I mean, this, this is a player that I was – very vocal in fading last year, but now everything has sort of changed and I don't feel like enough people have changed their minds or have been enthusiastic enough about it. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to absolutely smash this year. 
So digging, digging into some of his stats in his rookie year, he was either in the slot or out wide on 77% of his snaps. Uh, I made fun of people calling him a wide receiver last year uh, because we didn't really know how he was going to be used in the NFL. Now we do know he's basically being used as a wide receiver that that inline rate is in line with like Mark Andrews. Uh, so I, I think we can safely say that he's a premier receiving threat. Uh, he'll probably be arguing that he's a wide receiver three years from now when he gets franchise tag. Yeah. Um, other than that, if we're sort of ranking the rookie seasons of all of the sophomore wide receivers and tight ends, I, I think Kyle Pitt slots somewhere in between like Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like he's not quite at the Jamar chase level, but he's put up some pretty impressive statistics. I mean, 1.0 so one full yard per team attempt and 2.02 yards per route run his rookie year both of those are better than both Devonte smith and jalen waddle and for target share he was a couple percentage points below each of them so when if you're evaluating him as a wide receiver it makes a ton of sense that he's going pretty much right next to jalen waddle in adp uh He's got the least target competition out of any of those three guys. I, he's the presumed number one on his team. His only competition really is Drake London. And he, here's really the best part of Kyle Pitts, though. So last year when he was a fourth rounder as a rookie tight end, the reason I was vocally against him and was never drafting him was because the floor was that he wasn't usable in fantasy. That is a realistic outcome for any rookie tight end. In, in fact, it should really be the expected outcome for almost any rookie tight end. Um, but now when you look at it, his floor is he puts up a thousand yards and doesn't score that many touchdowns. And he's an every week starter that not ideal in the third round at tight end. But no, again, kind of like we say with DJ Moore, that's not going to completely kill your roster. The ceiling is that he's the tight end one overall that you got in the third round and that wins leagues because having the tight end one overall is such a big deal because of how poor the rest of the position is every single year. If you can get the tight end one and you don't have to draft him in the first two rounds, you want that almost every time if you're building like an optimal roster with the benefit of hindsight. So, and I mean, that, that's what Mark Andrews was last year. He was going in like the fourth round and was the tight end one and won a ton of people, their leagues. Um, so that that's really the thesis with Kyle Pitts. Like the, the risk reward is completely flipped this year from what it was a year ago. And I think the last thing that people will say that, I mean, this is what I hear when people want to fade Kyle Pitts is, Oh, Mar Marcus Mariota is his quarterback. Uh, in Marcus Mariota's rookie year, he was throwing a Delaney Walker for a 26% target share and over a thousand yards. So I, I'm, I would say Mariota's probably better now than he was his rookie year. Like I, I would take 2022 Mariota over 2015 Mariota. I think that that seems a reasonable thing to say about a quarterback. So if we want to call again, if we want to call a thousand yards, Kyle Pitts's floor, 
I am perfectly happy taking that at the tight end position in the third round. And he will be by far my highest rostered tight end. It's pretty much Kyle Pitts or bust for me this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned he is a wide receiver. He, he played 34% of his snaps out wide. Uh, that was the highest among all tight ends. So um, I guess he was like five percentage points behind him. So he is a, an outside receiver, which is rare for a tight end. As someone who does not like to draft tight ends early, let me poke holes in this argument. Let's see, let's see where we end up here. Cause my problem is not that he's not going to be good. I mean, I think we all know he's going to be good. He scored 10 PPR points a game with only one touchdown. Um, that's, so that's basically no touchdowns. He scored 10 PPR points a game, um, but we need him to get up to the, you know, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey level, which is 16, 17 points a game last year. Um, just, you know, basic math there. That's like a touchdown a game. I don't think Pitts is going to score uh, 17 touchdowns this year. So he, he's going to need some spike in efficiency, some more targets. Yes, that can all come. But I, I think the question is, how do we get him up to that elite, elite level? Obviously, the touchdowns are a part of it. I, I'm sure it's just a combination of everything. I, I'm kind of wondering, maybe we're not hoping for a tight end one season from him, but we're hoping that he makes up that difference in ADP, right? I mean, Pitts is going maybe pick 33 in drafts while Kelsey is 12. Uh, so maybe if he is close to Kelsey, I mean, can he really catch Kelsey with Patrick Mahomes thrown to him? Or is this kind of like battle for runner up here for Kyle Pitts? I mean, Mark Andrews just outscored Travis Kelsey last year. I think, I don't think it's inconceivable that Travis Kelsey is not the tight end one this year. Um, especially if injuries involved, like so many things can happen to where I, I'm not viewing Kelsey as this, this insurmountable obstacle. But e even if Kyle Pitts is the close tight end two to Travis Kelsey, he can still be a better pick than Travis Kelsey was two rounds later. Yeah. Um, and you ask where the progression is going to come. How is he making up that gap in points per game? It's through target share. Kyle Pitts only had like a 17% target share last year. I would fully expect that to get well up over 20%, pro probably 25%, 26%, like we saw Mariota give to Delaney Walker. I think Kyle Pitts is probably better than Delaney Walker as a receiver, or than Del Delaney Walker was in 2015. So <laughs> I, I think it's entirely possible that he just sees so many more targets. The efficiency can even come down a little bit because his, his efficiency was off the charts yeah. last year for him to do what he did with as little as he had to work with. So I, I just think there are so many ways that Kyle Pitts pays off and there are very few ways that he absolutely kills you in the third round. Yeah. And a couple of thoughts here. I, I think Drake London might actually help. I mean, it was just Pitts and Cordell Patterson and Russell Gage. It was rough last year. Uh, I, I think it's going to help him just to have another competent receiver out there just to give defenses something to worry about because there's still plenty of passes to go around. There's still a, they're still missing NFL quality options here in this offense. So I think London is going to help. And then just comparing him to Kelsey again, I, I think where you get the value is just I mean, it's it's obvious, but if you're going to use a first-round pick on Kelsey, uh, substitute in a first-round running back, maybe a Joe Mixon at the end of the first round, and take Pitts in the third, that's where you win, kind of the upgrade of Joe Mixon to if you take Kelsey in the first and you take a running back in the third, maybe it's, it's Zeke or something like that, you know? So I, I think that's where you gain the edge with Pitts is just that um, trading off between what you're giving up with Kelsey in the first or second round and what you're getting with Pitts in the third round. Yeah, and by drafting Kyle Pitts in the third as opposed to 
like a Dalton Schultz or a Dallas Goddard in like the sixth or the seventh, you aren't missing out on all the wide receivers that we like in that range or like the zero running back targets that we like in that range. I, I think early tight end just makes a lot of things way easier this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not usually an early tight end person either. I think I feel good enough about Kyle Pitts that he won't nuke a team that I'm going to do it more often than not now. Yeah, I think I'm on board with you on tight ends. I, I just took him in the Warrior Bowl, Kyle Pitts. I, I mean, it's also a free league with some tight end premium stuff. It was kind of a fun pick. So I went with Pitts. But uh, I, I think there's nine tight ends you really want to get this year. I've kind of started to settle on like TJ Hawkinson as one of my targets just because of the value in the ADP. But I, I think it's pretty much Hawkinson or Pitts for me. I, the other ADPs just don't match up. And Pitts just has that volume potential. So I'm on board. I need to pull the trigger on him more often early. It's just really hard for me to do, but um, I'm going to need to change, I think, with my tight end drafting ways because I agree with you. We don't want to wait. If we're going to wait on tight end this year, we might as well just wait till the very end. Yeah, and that I mean, I'll endorse that pretty much any year that if you don't yeah. get the elite ones, you should wait until the very end. I Like I, I would way rather take the Tyler Higbee's super late than yeah. the – who did I say? Dalton Schultz. I'm, t- I'm putting a lot of shade on Dalton Schultz today. I just <laughs> drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. So yeah. I hope, I hope he does well this year, but I, yeah, I think just from a opportunity cost standpoint, I, that Pitts is a great place to get in for the rest of your roster. All right. Love it. Well, those are five names that Ryan is uh, certainly drafting now after an off season of research. That's again, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, James Cook, Chase Edmonds and Kyle Pitts. So a nice, well-rounded group there. Uh, I will come to you with another group of five, um, probably early next week, um, next time we can get a podcast out. But Ryan, any last thoughts before we uh, move on from this one? Yeah, I will just say that pretty soon I'm going to have another article coming out about sophomore wide receivers. Uh, It's going to go even more in-depth to what I talked about on last week's podcast. So be on the lookout for that. It should be out soon. Great. And yeah, we're going to have uh, team previews starting probably next week. Um, we are going to go through all the teams. Uh, we tried to make them a little shorter this year, just kind of um, some of the quick hits, some of the stats from last year, and then a breakout and a bust for each team. We know probably most of you, if you're listening uh, in uh, mid-July here, you got a pretty good grasp of these teams. So we're going to get you some concentrated team previews this year. Just get our sleepers and busts out just so you can uh, have some takeaways from your drafts because they are rapidly approaching. So I think that wraps it up for today. Um, On behalf of Ryan and myself, thanks for listening, and we will be with you uh, pretty soon with another podcast.